REM sleep is where the magic happens. So that sounded dirty. <laughs> you dropped right into that dirty voice. I wasn't trying to make sexual innuendo, though. The I'm magic pretty happens. sure all of us have had sex dreams. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to episode two of What the Shit Podcast. You have your host, me. <laughs> I am Ariel, and I have Chris here with me again today. And our topic is going to be all things alcohol. And <laughs> that's a real beer can, not a sound effect. Um, we are going to try i don't know how well it's gonna go for me or him honestly to get drunk if not drunk tipsy while doing this podcast about alcohol um so topics that we're gonna cover today what is alcohol are there any benefits to alcohol how is it metabolized what are the fates once it has been metabolized? Why do I feel like shit when I have a hangover? Why do I always have to pee once I start drinking it? Should I eat while I drink? Should I not eat while I drink? I'll do a little bit of myth busting. And then, of course, we have a FSF, a fun shit fact. So a lot. So we're doing a lot. For the record, okay, guys, I have seven pages of notes. That's fine. <laughs> so we've got enough time for me to get through six beers. As I have recently learned, a lot of people listen to these in 1.5 time anyways. Yes, so. they do. So even if this takes an hour and a half, which I highly doubt because I start to talk real fast when I get drunk, then it'll really only take you like 45 minutes. Like maximum. Yeah. All right, here goes my first set pick. I'm already on beer number two. He started while we were eating burritos. Breakfast. Well... <sighs> Breakfast? Breakfast and dinner of champions. <laughs> it can be either category. He started at breakfast. That doesn't sound like I have a problem. He <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have a problem, guys. It's fine. So let's start with what the hell is alcohol? So alcohol, you just put... You can't do that. That distracts me. I think that's great. Christopher gave me He's a little... He's watching over here. <laughs> Christopher got me a little... What are they called? Pop. A little pop figurine. And it's Recyclops Dwight once he's gone bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Flag. <laughs> like this. Okay. So I'm even out here. I'm unfortunately not going to be able to use If we're talking thing. normal right here, then it gets really loud. Oh. But well. if we're back here talking normal, then it's good. Right, but I don't talk as loud as you, so that's potentially a problem. Like, look at these tiny little bumps right there. That's nothing. That's nothing. Let me get real close. Yeah, you're getting quieter <laughs> the closer you get, though. That's because this is my radio talk show. Oh, guys. Welcome to what the show <laughs> It just stopped moving my mouth. Okay. Okay. We're back on track. So, Are we recording again? Yeah, I started oh, okay. recording mine. Okay, so first tidbit. Why does it not taste good when you do that, people? <laughs> Don't do that. I was trying to give you a sound effect so you knew I was drinking some wine. I'm not doing that again. 
Um, <laughs> okay, let's get into it. What is alcohol? So alcohol specifically that we drink is typically ethanol alcohol. So you have a chemical composition that everything in the universe is made out of. Alcohol is pretty simple. If you know anything about chemistry or you took like Chem 1A in any college, you had to learn what an alcohol was probably. It or probably... if you spent 10 years in the brewing industry. Yeah, or if you spent 10 years in the brewing industry or if you're one of those people that are really obsessed with alcohol and like to learn everything about it, probably the first part of the book is what is alcohol? <laughs> Uh, but ethyl alcohol is normally what you find in spirits. I gotta tell you, I'm really hating my microphone setup because I have to like look left and talk right. Um, but it has the chemical composition of a methyl group and then another methyl group, but technically it's not a methyl because it only has two hydrogens and then a hydroxyl group, which is an OH. So it's CH3, CH2, OH, if that means anything to you. The OH specifically is what makes it alcohol and specifically ethanol because it only has two carbons by the way i actually think this is really good because there are people that will listen to this and know what that means and anybody else will just be like fun i have a new fact for trivia night (laughs) (laughs) all right so chemically a alcohol looks most similar to a carbohydrate but in my opinion and i could be wrong and there could be people out there listening that are like i don't agree with that i think that based off of the way that it's metabolized and handled in your body it's more similar to a fat because a fat is primarily just carbons with a bunch of hydrogens on it i'm sure you've heard of the term like saturated fatty acid and saturated means that a carbon is entirely surrounded by hydrogens except for it's in a chain, so it has another carbon next to it. So a saturated fatty acid means that it has the maximum amount of hydrogens versus like an unsaturated fatty acid could have a double bond. Again, if you haven't taken Chem 1A, all of this might be nothing to you, but if you have taken Chem 1A and you do have any interest in how metabolism works, then that is potentially useful for you. I personally feel like the way that alcohol is metabolized makes it more similar to a fat. All right, so let's get into topic number two, which is are there any potential benefits to alcohol? Other than getting turned. (laughs) Other than feeling really, really grand until you can't remember anything. So, for one, and this is pretty common knowledge. Oh my gosh, I'm going to start burping. Sorry, guys. I'm going to try to get away from the microphone when that happens. Um, But to start, and this is pretty common, is that most people know that it is uh, a preventative for blood clots. It actually helps thin your blood in moderation. That doesn't mean that lots of it is going to do better, because it won't. (laughs) More is always better. (laughs) (laughs) Speed saves lives. (laughs) Jeremy Clarkson for you, if you know what that means. All right, subject number two, and maybe we'll just skip straight to this one. Who the hell knows? How is alcohol metabolize. I know you all have been dying to know. So alcohol, you drink it, it goes into your esophagus and then into your stomach. So alcohol, like certain drugs, not all drugs, but a good portion of them can actually start to be absorbed in your stomach. 
It doesn't actually have to go into your intestines to start absorption. The vast majority of everything that goes into your mouth has to be in your intestines before it's actually absorbed, though. Alcohol and some some medications are the exception. So you drink alcohol, it's in your stomach. This is where the question of should I eat or should I not eat comes into play. Because if you have a full stomach, then the amount of surface area that alcohol has access to in your stomach is actually decreased. So less of it will be immediately absorbed. So if you are at a bar and you're that person that has just heard, oh, you should eat before you drink alcohol. The reason why you would eat before you drink alcohol is so that you don't have that immediate buzz hit. But if you want an immediate buzz hit, then you can go ahead and drink the alcohol Mm -hmm. without any food in your stomach. I feel like a lot of people go to bars just to get drunk. Yeah, but I feel like, so that's where it comes in is I feel like what's happening is most people understand it as they can drink more and hence stay around their friends and be at the bar if they're also eating. Now, in the way that we talk about it and that we talk about to like, you know, clients and other things like that, that's not necessarily the best thing, right? And and for most people in our sphere, that's not necessarily their goal either. Um, but But I think that's kind of where it comes from, is this idea of if I eat, then, you know, it's not the science, but people use the excuse that the food soaks up the alcohol so I can drink more. Yeah, that's absolutely false. You cannot. I, drink I did more. air quotes, by the way, over sucks <laughs> up the alcohol. <laughs> you absolutely cannot drink more alcohol just because you have food in your stomach. It will just take longer to hit you. Your ability to metabolize alcohol from it to go from the compound of ethyl alcohol to the compound of acetate, which turns into acetic A is the exact same whether or not you have food in your stomach or not. One of them is just going to get to your liver a little bit faster, which is where the vast majority of your alcohol is metabolized. There are some places that can metabolize it, but we're not really going to talk about it because it doesn't matter so much. You highly underestimate my liver's ability to metabolize toxins. (laughs) That's an Archer quote if you guys haven't watched it. Okay, so you drink. It's in your stomach. If you have a full stomach then it's just going to decrease the surface area. So you're not going to feel buzzed initially. It's going to go into your intestines before it actually goes into your bloodstream. So both your intestine and your stomach will actually deliver the alcohol to your liver via the bloodstream. If it's through your intestines, they go through something called the hepatic portal vein, which is a direct access to your liver from your intestines. And that's where most of your nutrients go versus the alcohol getting into your bloodstream and circulating before it actually makes its way to the liver. But both of them are going to make their way to the liver before they actually start being metabolized. Alcohol, as we know, is not a great thing to have in your body. Your body is going to try to get rid of it as fast as humanly possible. So it's going to use an enzyme called ADH, alcohol dehydrogenase. And we kind of talked about what that meant earlier. Um, ADH is going to turn alcohol into a compound 
called flag. <laughs> I know this is what I want. I like that you're just saying flag now instead of actually flagging. Well, it's because it's turned off. Well, that's your fault. You can make it not do that. I don't have the energy to do that. Especially when I have wine in me. Okay. You have so little wine in you right now. No, but it makes me tired. I'm such an old lady. <laughs> so we went to, we were going to record this yesterday and Ariel said, I don't want to be drinking at 1030 at <laughs> night, which was one of the old ladiest things I have ever heard her say. I'm not 21 anymore, guys. I feel it in my bones. Okay. So alcohol is turned into acetaldehyde. Acetaldehyde. I feel like I said it right the first time. Yeah. Acetaldehyde. Anyways, I feel like I need to go, like, figure out how to say this really quick. It's right there. Uh, it was phonetic out. Acetaldehyde. Well, that was kind of wrong. So, acetaldehyde. Alcohol is turned into... Acetaldehyde. That's the one. <laughs> From aid with ADH the enzyme. And once you actually start drinking alcohol, ADH the enzyme has a specific capacity that it can actually change the alcohol. So it doesn't matter how much you drink, it can only turn one alcohol into one acetaldehyde per X time. But, as you drink alcohol, you're also going to have gene expression to up how many enzymes are available. This doesn't mean that it goes on forever, so, like, your enzymes will not match how much alcohol you drink. That's not really how gene expression works. But, a little bit more will be made so that it can try and keep up with however much you're drinking. And this is why people that drink a lot or that have faster metabolisms might be able to have more alcohol than say somebody that hasn't drinking before or just as they're affectionately called lightweights. And I am both of those first things. <laughs> um, it's just, it might just be that they a, have a faster metabolism um, and B that might be because they have more ADH and C they can make it a little bit faster than their friendly counterpart. Okay. So now you have acetaldehyde. And acetaldehyde is actually toxic to your body. That is a toxic compound. And so now your body needs to get rid of it as fast as humanly possible. But we still run into the problem where we don't have enough enzymes to cover every single acetaldehyde that's made. So this acetaldehyde will actually go and circulate throughout your body. And it has a couple of inherently natured things that it does, such as that it will turn things into free radicals. This is, again, a chemistry thing. Unfortunately, your whole entire body is chemistry, and I can't explain all of it to you right now. But if you don't know what a free radical is, just know that it's not good, and it can cause issues in your body. It can damage your cells. It can damage your DNA. 
It can damage proteins in your body. It kind of just fucks shit up, and it's not great. And that's one of the bad things about acetylaldehyde. Another really bad thing about it is that it actually blocks REM sleep, and we'll get into that in a minute. I'm not going to be sleeping well tonight. <laughs> so you have acetylaldehyde. I'm going to take a sip real quick. And also burp. <laughs> I'm swapping between Glenn Levitt and PBR. And I think that's going to be pretty much the rest of my night. Finishing out this flask and I think I've got three more PBRs. <laughs> okay. So then you have another enzyme called ADLH, and this enzyme oxidizes acetylaldehyde into a compound called acetate. So acetate is actually a compound that's used in another mechanism that your body has called the Krebs cycle or the citric acid cycle. There's a lot of names for it, but basically this is your big energy maker in your body. It's the way that fat is turned into ATP, Carbohydrates can also be turned into ATP. Protein can be turned into ATP. Oh, that was right in my face. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have to do it right next to the microphone every time. Oh, cool. You could warn me. That's true. Anyways, so this is your moneymaker. This is where the vast majority of your energy is going to be made. If you took biology or chemistry, you might have heard that glycolysis will make ATP, but it's nothing compared to the Krebs cycle. Every one of those gigantic spikes is me opening a can. You're ridiculous. <laughs> okay. So acetate can enter into the Krebs cycle and it can make ATP. And this is where I say that alcohol is a little bit more like fat, at least in my opinion. Somebody out there that's smarter than me and has way more degrees than me might disagree. But the reason why I think that alcohol is inherently more like fat is because one, alcohol per one gram has seven calories. That is closer to nine calories as in fat than it is to four as in carbohydrates or protein. Two, alcohol gets turned into acetate, which immediately goes into the Krebs cycle. The Krebs cycle can only be utilized by fat. It doesn't have, or fat doesn't have access to glycolysis like carbohydrates and protein do. So inherently, if alcohol has a higher amount of calorie content per gram and it can only go into the Krebs cycle, which is also where fat goes, I say that it acts a little bit more like fat in your body, along with being a toxin. I'm not really adding a whole lot to my episode. I do. I add in every once in a while, but you're, you, you keep pausing at scientific stuff. Do you know any of the scientific stuff? Yes. When it comes to what beer is made out of. <laughs> <laughs> and how best as a athlete to add alcohol into your nutrition if you want to. Oh, okay. Well, probably the people of Earth would like to also know that. Well, we talked a little bit about the fact of um, eating, and I'm sure this is something that you were getting into because you're moving through the the metabolic part of it. Um, but the idea of it, what our body does with alcohol 
and food at the same time. And one of the reasons why it would be if you are somebody who is an athlete or is trying to, you know, attain specific goals um, physically and all of that fun jazz, uh, it's a better idea to drink while not eating. And one of the reasons behind that is because when we eat and drink at the same time, our body prioritizes the alcohol, which means it creates fat stores with anything else that we put in. And so if we're drinking a lot and eating a lot, it's metabolizing all of that alcohol before it metabolizes anything else. Mm, mostly correct. It's still metabolizing the other stuff, but it's prioritizing it to fat storage. Right, and that's what I meant by that. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Um, I was going to say something else about metabolism. Oh, uh, talking about goals and if you're an athlete. So that's one point that's important. But also another point is thinking about how much um, calories are in per gram of alcohol. Think about what you're drinking. If you go out for a night of drinking, what are you putting in your body? So drinks have inherent amounts of sugar in them on top of whatever the alcohol is, correct? So if you have a cocktail, a cocktail typically is going to have 2 to 15, depending on how crazy the bar is that's making your drink, ingredients. And a lot of that is going to be sugar. So... In my opinion, the easiest way to go out and have a drink with friends, if you have specific goals, is to just be smart about what alcohol you drink. Pick your favorite one and sip on that. Because here's the trick. If you don't ever get drunk, if you don't get tipsy, then your body is metabolizing the alcohol as fast as you're drinking it. If you want to get tipsy, drink it a little bit faster or drink maybe three-fourths of it a little bit faster, and then sip on the last bit of it. And then you can keep your buzz, and you don't have to keep acquiring all the extra calories that go along with it. Well, and that's a big point with things like, even with beer and wine. So if you look at, right now, I'm drinking a PBR, which is 4% alcohol. Um, the rest of that is sugar water. It's made out of malt, but you basically make a malt tea and you drain all of the sugar out of it so that you can ferment 4% of it into alcohol. And the rest of that is basically carbohydrates that you're drinking. It's essentially a soda with alcohol in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people don't necessarily understand that and it's the same thing with wine most wine is 13 to 15 percent alcohol and the rest is legit just grape juice uh it's unfermented sugars at that point yeah so say you are somebody that does have really specific goals whether they're just decreasing how much alcohol you drink because you tend to drink a lot or increasing how much alcohol you drink or being leaner this year or xyz like, it doesn't really matter. You might be saying, okay, so if I'm a person that's trying to track what I eat, how the hell do I track alcohol? You can do it two ways. You can either take away some of your macros, whether that's carbohydrates or fat, 
you can actually calculate it out if you want to and just times the percent of fat by the calories and then whatever is left is going to be your carbohydrates. That's a little bit technical. Alternatively, you can just take away your calories and your day is going to be a calorie day. So instead of focusing on your macros that day, try and just save some calories for your drink. You can track your breakfast, lunch, and dinner if you want to, but just save calories for your drink and then just keep your drink. Because at the end of the day, it is typically just calories in versus calories out. And if you consume more calories than you burn, that turns into fat storage. That's kind of the end game and the simplest way to look at it. There are other things that we'll get into in other episodes that might also affect it too but those aren't really important if you're trying to track macros at this point. I think one of the biggest reasons why I'm not jumping in as often as I might is because we're sharing microphones right now. We have two microphones. I went out of my way. I bought two fancy microphones, and one of them did not come with a computer adapter, and so we're going off of one. I can't believe he doesn't want to put his face close to my face. Just talk here the whole time. How could you not want to be this close to my face? I wish that this was videoed like mine. (laughs) My little podcast, I also do a YouTube portion, so it's videoed, but Ariel's never in the video. Um, But if this were also videoed, you would see how close and intimate we really are right now while drinking PBR and red wine. Yeah. What are we going to next? We're talking about being tipsy and drunk? Oh, is that what I we're have, going to? I have other notes. Hold on, let me check them. Let me make sure there's nothing really special in here. I talk a little. I have notes about Morsar two and stuff. I can tell them how beer's made. I actually <laughs> kind of already did. <laughs> I look at my notes. Yeah, I kind of already did. Basically, you make tea out of malt. You boil it so that it distills or so that it brings up the sugar content, and then you put yeast inside of it, and it ferments. I'm gonna skip my two and comment. Okay, okay, next point. Uh, what is being tipsy slash drunk? Like, what is it that is actually happening in your body? I'm so glad you're actually going over this. Sorry, I'm looking at the notes. I'm looking ahead, people, and there's <laughs> something. Because I actually learned about this in my precision nutrition as well, but I, I love that you're going over that. <laughs> okay, well, the this point or the next point? No, the next one. This one. Oh, Okay. Well, because I feel like a lot of people want to know what's going on there. Um, oh, well, I have hold on, I gotta look at something else later because what, where are you going? Okay, well, I think I actually need to skip this one because I didn't actually write all the notes on it that I wanted, so okay, we're gonna skip right over that. So the next point that I wanted to bring up, because I was confused about this when I actually started drinking alcohol, um, it's the, why do I always have to pee? There's like a saying for this that I can never remember, uh, breaking the seal. That's the one. Yeah. There's that seal, or the, that seal, the old saying of, um, oh, you broke the seal, then you like suddenly have to go to the bathroom every 15 minutes. Uh, so alcohol is actually a... A diuretic. And what that means is that it blocks a hormone that's released from your brain that tells you to stop releasing urine as a way to actually retain fluids in your body. You always have a balance of fluids that you need, um, like with water content. Your kidneys are actually what 
keeps your fluid content within you. You have a system of mechanisms wherein, wow, I think I just say a lot of like filler words that sound really fancy when I have wine in me and I need Therefore, to like... Therefore, <laughs> so poor. I like can't think of my next thought. And so I'm just like, and so then you have this mechanism of stuff that happens and then all the this other stuff mechanism. Okay, I'm gonna... Therefore. S- I'm gonna stop filling, guys. I'm blaming this on the wine. Um... <laughs> So, anyways, your kidneys, long and short of it, your kidneys make it so that you have enough fluid in your body at any given time. And if you have too much fluid in your body, you're gonna pee. But there is a hormone that's released from your brain. That one. Angiotensin. That's that's not it. Oh, that's the protein. That's that's for your renin angiotensin system, which is for blood pressure. And it increases that for Aldosterone. blood pressure. Okay. That's not the one I'm looking for. Keep going. <laughs> I'm looking for the actual name because it's in here. Um, I actually think it's aldosterone. Uh, oh, it's right there. Aldosterone. <laughs> so, so the hormone, which I'm pretty sure is aldosterone, um, is the hormone that's released from your brain. And it actually will tell your kidneys to retain fluid. And when you have alcohol, it actually inhibits the release of this hormone. So for that reason, it's considered a diuretic. And this makes it so that you have to constantly pee. And it will not stop until you get rid of all the alcohol. So it doesn't matter how much you pee. You're just going to keep peeing until all the alcohol is metabolized. Which can become incredibly annoying, honestly. Especially if you're at a German restaurant drinking a boot of beer. Yeah, that would be annoying. I haven't experienced that one. <laughs> I have multiple times. No, I feel like every time I pee, a little bit of my alcohol escapes my body, and I feel slightly more sober. <laughs> but I have really big pisses. Pisses? <laughs> I, I consider alcoholic Ariel peeing a piss. Okay. I mean, it's very British of you. It is very British of me. I'm very, br- <laughs> I'm very British when I've drinking a little shit out of all. I'm also Sean Connery. <laughs> well, you know, she's had about half a glass of wine. But I'm drinking it faster than I normally do. Normally I'll drink this over like two hours. Bad. But for the record, I'm actually, I hold my alcohol pretty well. It's true, you do. Um, wine just hits me a little bit stronger <laughs> your, than most things. Your liver, your liver rivals mine. Oh, I don't agree with that, but I... <laughs> <laughs> I think my ability to sober up would rival the best of anybody. Okay. Because even drunk Ariel that needs to throw up will get her shit together if she needs to. Yes. I can get your drunk ass home when I'm way drunker than you. Yes. Proof. 2000 and... What year was it? 2018 Sequoia Party. Oh, that one? That's one example. Oh, I thought you meant the Drake's one. Why well, wasn't at that one? Yeah, you were. Which the one? first Drake's one. When we both got drunk and I was crawling up the stairs to our apartment. Oh, yeah, I did get him home. I got him in bed and then I proceeded to throw up. <laughs> That's normally how it goes. <laughs> I'm like slobberingly drunk where I'm falling over laughing at a party 
and then I know I need to get us both home, I will get us both home, and I will not make a peep in that car. I seem like such a sober person that just smells like a, like a disgusting alcoholic. I get him in bed, I'll <laughs> undress him, and then I go and throw up all my alcohol. <laughs> you're, you're Bob when he's writing the note. Yeah. That, that sounds sober. That, that doesn't sounds sound. Sober. That doesn't sound drunk at all. I, I don't sound drunk though. <laughs> I mostly sound sober when I'm when I'm needing to sound. So you say, therefore, thus maketh the hormone. No, that's just filler words. I think if I just need to talk yeah. and I know what I want to say, that's different than trying to fill in all the words in between my talking and stuff like that. That's true. Okay, so next topic. <laughs> What happens to your sleep? Ugh. Why are you making that sound? Because I'll find out tomorrow morning. <laughs> no, you won't. Your whoop can't tell you all of this stuff. Um, which, if you guys have a whoop or a... Or a ring or... Possibly a Fitbit. I honestly don't know that much about Fitbit and its accuracy. But... I do know that Matthew Walker made their algorithm or helped them make their algorithm. So I have to assume it's at least semi-accurate. Even though I semi-detest the man. The hell is happening? Those are fireworks. Yeah, they are. I don't know why we have fireworks, guys. I'm sorry if you can hear it. Um, okay. So, the whole reason, and I totally forgot to bring this up. You know, right there? Yeah, that Glenn Levitt hit. Okay, so the whole entire reason, I totally forgot to mention this at the very beginning of the episode. Maybe I can pop this in there. The whole entire reason why we're doing this episode is because I was drinking wine and I was sending a Marco Polo to my sister and I was semi-tipsy and I was kind of, what do you call it, bragging, bolstering about how I got to drink alcohol now and how... Oh, because you're out of school. And she asked why, and I said it's because I don't drink alcohol while I'm in school. I abstain from alcohol during actual classes. I think it's a good... Like, you can keep it at this point. I think this is a good point to talk about that. Well, I mean, I was just going to say it at the beginning. It doesn't even matter. Never no, mind. Anyway. it doesn't. So, the whole entire reason why I don't drink alcohol while I'm in school, we're going to cover right now. So... Why don't I drink alcohol while I'm in school? Really quickly, let's talk about sleep because that is the reason why I don't drink alcohol. Alcohol will affect your sleep. But to understand how it affects your sleep, I need to explain a little bit of how sleep is structured and why specific parts of sleep are really important. And so alcohol affecting even just one part of sleep is important. For all of you who have a problem and think that you need alcohol to sleep, you're wrong and you're fucking up your sleep. (laughs) that's true so alcohol is considered a sedative and any doctor that tries to prescribe you a sedative is not creating sleep sedatives are not sleep for the record and i challenge you to challenge them on that shit if a doctor tries to prescribe you a sedative to sleep ask them why because it's not actually sleep okay i sidetracked okay i mean you didn't I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Okay. So, how does sleep work? First off, we all know that at night, we need to dim the lights, right? Oh, my goodness. He's just burping up a storm. I'm just burping. (laughs) This is real great content. Oh. Sorry, guys. 
taking a sip. Okay, so as the world dims at night, our brains have evolved to use light as a cue for when to be awake versus when to be asleep and a cue for generating sleep also. So when the lights in the world dims, there's this tiny part of your brain and it's called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. When the lights of the world dim. Shut up. Okay. There is the hero. <laughs> the super. <laughs> suprachiasmatic nucleus. Okay, so it's called the SEN for short. I'm just going to call it that from now on. The SEN is the clock of your brain. It is your inherent control for almost everything that happens in your body when it comes to time. What time should my liver do this? What time should my muscles have peak performance? What time should I wake up in the morning? Your super chiasmatic nucleus. The SCN. I'm sorry. I just remembered that we have to wake up at 7 tomorrow morning. I'm not super excited about that, but continue. <laughs> you said S-E-N. what time do we have to wake up in the morning? The SCN receives signals from your eyes about how bright it is outside. And so anytime there is bright light, it inhibits certain reactions in the brain. One of them is that during bright light, melatonin cannot be produced. It is inhibited. Its production is inhibited. So when the lights start to dim, and in particular when there are no blue lights, melatonin will actually start to be produced in your brain. And this normally happens, the actual start of melatonin production normally happens about an hour before you generally go to sleep. So if I say went to sleep at around 11 o'clock at night, normally my melatonin would be produced around 10 o'clock at night. Now say somebody else is going to bed at 9.30 at night, their melatonin would typically be produced around 8.30 at night. The times when it doesn't happen is when you've had your lights on or you've been staring at your screen. That doesn't mean that you won't have melatonin produced and that it can't catch up to where it was before. It just means that it takes a little bit longer and it can't start being produced until you turn off your lights. That's why everybody's making blue light locker glasses right now. That's why everybody's making night shift modes on your screen. All of this is new technology and all of this is actually coming out of current research. So... Is there, I mean, I know you're probably getting to this, but is there anything that, like, a person can do? Like, can you drink and also try and get good sleep? Yes. Okay. Do you want another trick to it? Not drink six beers an entire flask of whiskey? You actually could do that if you wanted to, but you have to drink it in the morning. Okay, yeah, no, that doesn't help me at all. <laughs> kind of my myth buster there is no way to make you metabolize fast faster there's no cure for a hangover really just make sure that you're not drinking it before bed just make sure you're not drinking it before bed if your so body the whole... if there is still alcohol in your body when you go to bed you're screwed it's because the... anytime you have that acetaldehyde that thing is fucking up your sleep so it's the whole like whoop question in the morning of did you drink alcohol four hours before bed type of thing yeah all right well, I'm host. <laughs> um, I already mentioned his name. I wish I didn't have to mention his Stop name. It. 
I know, but unfortunately, he's like the, the, I don't know. Don't give him the satisfaction. I won't mention his name. <laughs> he who shall not be named. No, because that's worse. That just yeah, that's all. That, that's yeah. so worse. Anyways, I call him Walker. His name's Matthew Walker. He was um, he's a professor at my school. He wrote the book. I hope somehow this this gets around to him. <laughs> I highly doubt it would. I don't think he listens to podcasts, though. He's on them frequently. Anyways. He's a professor at my school. He wrote the book, Why We Sleep. He now has a master class. He's whoring himself out on every single media. Hashtag. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I don't have a hashtag. Anyways, I just call him Walker. If anybody is like, who the hell is Walker? Or why she's talking about walking? I'm not. I'm talking about this one person, Matthew Walker. Um, So I took two classes from him. The first class that I took from him was just a general... um, it was called psychology of sleep anybody at berkeley could take it if you could get into it i didn't know that it was like a really popular class i just happened to get into it because i'm kind of a zealot about putting stuff in my cart and having it ready to go the second i'm able to actually enroll in classes anyways all this is to say i've taken two classes from him one was the psychology of sleep it was in a giant auditorium of 400 people the second class that i took from him was actually a invite only And it had only 20 people in it. And all we did was talk about studies and talk about data that his current graduate students had. Um, And so while I disagree with him on a lot of stuff, he is one of the forefront experts experts in the field about sleep. And his jokingly but also semi-serious recommendation to all of us in class if we wanted to drink while we were in school was to day drink. So that all the alcohol was out of your system by the time... You had to go to bed. And here's the reason why. So sleep is actually the where memories are consolidated. It happens in different stages of sleep and different types of memories are consolidated in different types of sleep. You have REM sleep, which is called rapid eye movement. It's where if you stare at your loved one that's lying next to you while they're asleep, you can sometimes catch their eyes flickering back and forth. Yes, I've watched you do it. <laughs> <laughs> his, his face got got real panicked for a second. Yeah, I watched him do it. I just had to check, you know? Yeah. Okay, so that's called rapid eye movement. This is the one that most people talk about as being the place where you will frequently dream. It's not that you can't absolutely dream in the other stages of sleep. It's that the chances of you waking somebody up from a dream significantly decrease outside of REM sleep. So you're like 90% likely to wake somebody up out of REM sleep and then being able to report that they were dreaming. Whereas if you're in non-REM sleep, the likelihood goes from like 20 to 12 to like 4%. So it's not that you can't dream in the other ones, it's that it's not very likely. REM sleep is where the magic happens. So That sounded dirty. <laughs> you dropped right into that dirty voice. I wasn't trying to make sexual innuendo though. The I'm magic pretty- <laughs> sure all of us have had sex dreams <laughs> okay so memory is consolidated while you sleep and it's doing that different types of memories are doing that through different stages of sleep so for example you learning how to do a snatch is a different type of memory than you reading a textbook and having to recall the name of a hormone the next day. By the way, a snatch is a Olympic weightlifting movement for those who don't know that because there are probably a good deal of people that don't. I'm pretty sure there aren't because I think only like seven people listen to this. 
Yeah. And some of them are your family members who don't know what a snatch is. Eh. <laughs> Anyways, so, so there's different types of memory. Those are just to give you an idea of the different types of memory. Things like remembering where your car is is not the same thing as remembering what an enzyme does. I don't need to interrupt here because she would very likely just continue going. However, because it is this episode, I'm letting everybody know it is time to break the seal. <laughs> okay. Every time he interrupts me, though, I have a hard time getting back on track. You're so- fine. <laughs> Different types of memories are consolidated in different types of sleep and with very specific ways, but all of them are important. So REM sleep is important and non-REM sleep is important for memory consolidation in general. And if you have alcohol, alcohol impedes your brain's ability to make REM. REM sleep is really important. It is so important that when you don't have REM sleep, you have what's called REM rebound. So if I drink alcohol and I get no REM sleep tonight, that's not realistically likely because I have a crazy amount of REM sleep compared to most people, according to my whoop. But if I weren't to get any REM sleep tonight, tomorrow, if I allowed myself enough sleep, I would have what's called REM rebound. And my brain would actually prioritize REM sleep and it would try to get make up the sleep that I had lost tonight. That's how important REM sleep is. There was a study done back in, I want to say it was the 1960s to 70s. It hasn't been replicated because it was considered so unethical. But what these people did, I'm going to cough real quick, (coughs) is they had rodents. And they didn't allow the rodents to sleep. And they did this a couple different ways. So in any kind of experiment or study that you do, you need a control group and you need an experimental group. A control group in this case would have been somebody that's allowed to sleep. Or you can have experimental control groups. In this particular study, they had a couple different groups. They had a control group that was allowed to sleep. They had a group that was not allowed to sleep at all. They just kept these rodents up as long as humanly possible. They had a rodent group that was not allowed to get non-REM sleep, and they had a rodent group that was not allowed to get REM sleep. So how can you do this? You're probably asking. You actually will hook the mouse up into a specific machine that will actually read out their brainwaves. That is the only way to actually tell precisely what stage of sleep somebody is in. Um, on humans, we do an EEG, an stuff. What's happening? Oh, I'm just close because I really want to say that I'm surprised that that's not been replicated because of efficacy. Because you did some fucked up shit to mice. We're not going to get into that. I'm just saying. We'll just... If it's all a rodent... I'll put it this way. I don't want to do animal studies in (laughs) in my research. We'll put it that way. I'm just surprised that they called it unethical when it was just to mice and i say just because of the things that i know that happened in your life. i'm gonna go ahead and say this is the alcohol because you're so sidetracking this like way beyond what needs to happen okay so here's the reason why this like technically cannot be replicated is because in studies nowadays you actually have to get approval from an animal board that ah. decides what is actually allowed to happen and you have to send them their exp- 
the experiment that you're planning to conduct. And if they say that's totally unethical and that will like traumatize the animal before it's dead, before it gets decapitated, before it gets decapitated, because you got to kill them eventually on almost all experiments. Anyways, they will say no. So that you have sense. to have things approved by a board that says this is okay. That makes sense. Okay. All right. So this didn't exist back then. Uh-huh. And what they did was they had the groups that I mentioned. You had one that were allowed to sleep, one that wasn't allowed REM sleep, non-REM sleep, um, and then no sleep at all. And they did this by attaching them to a machine in humans that can be an EEG or what's called a polysomnogram. That's the gold standard. It measures um, your brain waves, your heart rate, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's the gold standard in humans. You don't really need that for rodents. You can just do an EEG. That's how you tell what stage of sleep they're in. And whenever they go into the stage of sleep that they're not allowed to have, so for REM rats or for REM rodents, they would wake them up as soon as they went to REM. So they were allowed to go into non-REM sleep, but if they went into a REM sleep, then they would wake them up. Same thing for non-REM sleep. And then also for the rodents that had no sleep available to them, they would literally just keep them awake the entire time. Here's what they found. If you get no sleep at all, well, at least for rodents, you will die after 11 days. If you get no non-REM sleep, you will die in approximately 40 days. If you get no REM sleep, it's somewhere between 11 and 14 days. So this is just to say that REM sleep is really important. And sleep is really important because you will die without it. Remember that episode of House where that girl's like on the brink of destruction because she can't sleep? Yeah, you'll die. I feel like this opens up a lot of questions. And there are a lot of things that you had with walkers classes but the idea of like like with lack of sleep do you all also like I'm, I'm assuming that in these um experiments they give them food right yep. but like in the idea of lack of sleep do you also lose your appetite because i personally would actually and- no the exact opposite happens so when you stop being able to sleep your metabolism gets messed up, which is part of why if you have really bad sleep, you probably are not able to make any gains, whether it's gain or lose or whatever it is. It messes up your metabolism. And for these mice, the smaller the creature, the actual faster the metabolism is, which seems counterintuitive because you would think like an elephant metabolism is probably more than a rodent's, but it's actually the opposite. A rodent burns stuff almost I think it's something like five times as fast as a human. So these rodents that were not allowed to sleep actually started to eat a ton of food. They ate way, way, way more food. And it just kept on increasing the longer that they hadn't slept. And they were losing weight. And the reason why is because they stopped being able to regulate their body temperature. And so because they couldn't regulate their body temperature, eating food actually has a heat production. So if you ever get warm after you after you start eating, it's because you actually produce heat while you're eating. That is a byproduct of digestion and metabolism. And so these mice were actually trying to just generate heat by eating a lot of food, but it wasn't actually fixing it. So they just kept on eating more and more and more while they continued to lose weight. 
but this was all just to say how important REM sleep was. Yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> I feel like that's a good tangent to go off of. REM sleep, super important. Let's go into another study and talk about REM sleep. There was a study done on, I want to say it was students 20 to 26 about. Normally studies are done on college kids because most studies are done in colleges. And so the widely available participants are going to be college students. I was a part of a psychology study when I was in college. Don't remember what it was for. Just remember I was a part of one. <laughs> I have never been a part of a study, actually, now that I think about it. Actually, that's a lie. Yes, I have. I was part of the COVID study this past. I think it was a word recognition study. Like it had, if I'm remembering correctly, it had something to do with like words and what they meant. So, I have to go find my notes now. You're sidetracking. That's what happens. I don't want to tell you misinformation, This is what happens when you have a (laughs) co-host. I need a soundboard. I need somebody to be like, this is where you are on your notes. Oh, yeah, I don't have that. No, that's that's a producer, and those cost money. (laughs) Yeah, I want a producer. (laughs) That's uh, that's for all of those uh, JRE listeners. That's a young Jamie. There is no young Jamie here. Young Jamie. Uh, that's Joe Rogan's producer. Oh. He's yeah. really, really good. Oh, I need a young Jamie. Yeah. Jamie, if you'll um take. No, that's what he does. He'll be like, "Hey, young Jamie, can you pull that up?" And it's fucking there, like that. Well, Jamie, if you'll take five dollars an hour, I'll take you. <laughs> I'm, I'm real cute. I don't even know if we can afford that, honestly. Oh, I can afford five dollars an hour because he'll only be here while I'm doing my podcast. <laughs> I'll give you dinner too. I'll buy you dinner. <laughs> so you know, I make dinner most nights. That's why I said I would buy him <laughs> dinner. I was very specific. Okay, I'm gonna go off the cuff here because I don't. I apparently didn't put it in my notes, but I do remember this study fairly well. So, you have these college kids that are brought into the lab, and guess what? We're going to have them drink some alcohol and then test their memory recall, like we love doing. They did three groups, if I remember correctly. Group one, didn't drink alcohol. Group two, drank alcohol after learning, but before they went to bed. Group three... Group three, sorry. (laughs) Group three. Group three drank alcohol, I think, on day three after learning something. And then all of them were retested, I believe, on day seven. So you have one group, didn't drink any alcohol, learned something on day one, retested on day seven. Group two, learned something on day one, drank some alcohol, and then got retested on day seven. And then group three drank alcohol on day three, and then learned something on day, or and then got retested on day seven. And what they found was that the people that didn't drink any alcohol could recall the things that they had learned with 50% accuracy. And it was about the same as the when they had initially learned it. So normally when you learn anything in a study, they'll test you really close to when you learn it to see how good your recall is. And then when they test you again later, they'll compare that to right after you learned it. That's normally how memory recall tests go. And then the people that had drinking alcohol were about just as bad. 
So the significance of drinking alcohol right after you learn it versus three days later is that they wanted to know, okay, so if I have a test on Thursday and today is the Friday before that one, so a week in advance, can I drink alcohol tonight after I've learned material and be okay for next Thursday? Because it's a week later and I'll be fine. And then they say, well, no, your memory recall is going to be totally shot. You're only going to be able to recall about 20%. And you're like, okay, well, shoot. Okay, then I won't drink. And then you're like, okay, it's been three days since I learned that material. I'm going to drink now because I'll totally be fine, right? No, your memory recall is actually just as bad for that material that you learned four days ago. So it matters. It matters when you drink alcohol. It matters if you drink it while you're trying to do memory recall. And for me, it's not worth it because I have too many tests too often and I learn too much new material for that one glass of wine to be worth it for me. I would rather just get those six extra questions correct and then enjoy that glass of wine. It doesn't really bother me any to abstain from alcohol and then drink as much as I want when I don't got any tests. Get turned. I don't get turned. <laughs> I feel like not, not since your birthday two years ago. Yeah, not since not since that night. <laughs> that that was the that's a story for another time, guys. But I'll say this: that was the closest I've ever been to being blackout drunk. I don't really ever blackout. I can pretty much remember everything. And the only reason why I say close to being blackout drunk because I'm pretty sure I fell asleep or went into a slight like sedated steep or sedated state state that's what I'm going for a couple of times because I remember putting my head down so it's not that I don't remember it's that I was actually in a sedated <laughs> it's like slightly state. asleep while other people were talking <laughs> to you yeah so like I recall popping my head up and suddenly saying things and then putting my head back down. So basically how I am when we're watching a movie and I fall asleep. Yeah. And I will la laugh occasionally to try and prove that I am still awake, though I know that I am not. Yeah, we both know that you're not awake. Yeah. Okay. Um, so quick myth busters. Um, is there anything that can help you metabolize alcohol faster? No. You need to just change your genes if you want that to happen. What? No, go ahead. I'll I'll ask the question in a minute. Okay. Caffeine also doesn't work. I, I don't do know. have a question for you. I don't know why this like coffee thing came into existence. Like caffeine doesn't help you drink alcohol any or metabolize alcohol any faster. I don't think it's that. I think it's the idea of like uppers and downers. It's like you alcohol is a, a depressant. Caffeine is stimulant, and it's like this idea of like I'm gonna level myself out. Yeah. For the record, guys not great to take the two opposites together <laughs> that's no bueno um so nothing will help you metabolize alcohol any faster and um for day two when you've got a gnarly hangover there's also not a whole lot that can help you yeah i actually really hate i mean i've i've hated for a long time but more more so like being, like I said, 10 years in the brewing industry and then going deep dive into different things like nutrition and fitness, like I've always hated those like pills or the, 
there's pills, there's droplets, there's things like little Alka-Seltzer tablets that are like anti-hangover thing. It's like, no, fuck you, you're wrong. So, fun fact about that, though, Alka-Seltzer tablets, they actually have done studies testing random drinks to see if they help with with a hangover. Mm Mm-hmm. And they actually found that 7-Up slash Spritey drinks, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I don't remember. It was like something that I was like going across when I was trying to um, figure out content for this episode. Um, but actually does kind of help with a hangover. So lemon-lime soda. Basically, yeah. All right. Get it. There is that one. Sorry, guys. I almost, I almost left out the lemon-lime soda that could save you. <laughs> Um, but let's talk about a hangover really quick, unless you want to ask your question. Um, no. Uh, well, so what I was going to ask is, uh, David, so, um, I remember when I very first started in the brewing industry was when I started, honestly, when I started drinking more. Um, I just didn't have the opportunity to drink as much before that. Um, and one of the people that I worked with was David. David used to talk often about, and this is going to be slightly vulgar, but all of these are explicit anyway. <laughs> David used to talk about the beer shits. And so I have, I have realized that if I get like drunk mm-hmm. one night, I will poop horribly. For the next, like, day to day and a half. Did you also drink beer these times when you got drunk? Oh, I'm sure. I always drink beer when I get drunk. I know, but but calling it beer shits is very different than calling it whiskey shits. No, I get that. But it's always, I mean, like, anytime I get drunk, it's Mm -hmm. a multitude of things that I'm drinking. Mm -hmm. It's spirits and um, and beer and or wine. Mixology. (laughs) Um. And so, like, there's the idea of, sorry guys, had to back away because that was yet another burp. Um, the idea of beer shits, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm trying, like, I don't know if in your research on alcohol. If there's any wow. explanation for a beer shit. Yeah, I mean, like, my, my, my poop. Like, this is something that we had talked about in the first episode, is the only time that I have had not, like, good poop is when I drink a lot. And I'm not actually sure where that comes from. So, I have never come across a study that is asking about the beer shits. I honestly don't think that the scientific community knows that that's a thing, because I feel like somebody would have tried to research the beer shits. That's a really good headline. If anybody out there wants to research it, just call it the beer shits. I think we need to be more explicit in science, okay? If I had to guess, I would say that you're closer to a type of poisoning at that point when you have the beer shits. And so your body is trying to get rid of everything as fast as humanly possible. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. That, that it's just expelling a toxin. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to guess, that would be my best educated guess. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm 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 down with that. Okay. So, one of our last topics, actually, our last alcohol topic for the day, is 
what the hell happened to give me this thing called a hangover. And, you know, I should have looked it up and I need a fucking Jeremy. Jeremy? I need a Jeremy, actually. What's his name? Jamie? Young Jamie. Young Jamie. Christopher was giving me a look like I just like spoke about the devil. <laughs> Jeremy Jeremy over here. I have no idea what's happening. I do not want that eye. That eye broke me. Um, I needed Jamie. Um, I should look over what a what a hangover. Like where the origin of the word hangover is from. I actually oh. I don't know. I had yeah. never even thought about it till this very moment. Yeah. Um. So. What the hell happened to give me this thing that we dread, that we all have experienced in a myriad of ways it presents itself in different ways for different people? By the way, that time when she got super turned on her birthday, <laughs> that next day, uh, yeah. I actually think that's the only time that I've ever seen you have a hangover, but you legit had a hangover. Bought her a surfboard. We were going to go surfing. Didn't happen. It was also my birthday, and I slept until 5. Actually, no, you got me out of bed at 12. Mm -hmm. We walked to the store because you thought that being outside would be good for me. You bought me some really spectacular hangover food from Starbucks. It was a bacon gouda cheese sandwich. And coconut water. And coconut water. I didn't like coconut water at the time. I like it now. Um, I ate that. I drank that. I tried to keep that down. Managed to keep that down. Walked back home. Went back to bed until 5 p.m. I think I got home around like 2 a.m. ish the night before. Yeah. So I was very tired. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so what, what the hell happened to me that night? We'll talk about that. So it's kind of this um, really beautiful calamity of self-destruction that's happening. So... <laughs> So, problem number uno, you have a toxin in your body called acetaldehyde. I probably said that wrong. I have to go to a lady. No, you said that right. Hold on. Acetaldehyde. 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 I like that it shows me the lips moving. I know. But you can't actually see what what the... Acetaldehyde. Acetaldehyde. It's it's like watching a cartoon talk, though. It could be anything, honestly. Okay, so you have the toxin of acetaldehyde rolling through your body, just creating mass chaos. That's problem number uno. It's actually doing damage to your body the longer that it's in there. So on that night, I think I had something like... All the gin and tonics? No, what did you have? So they kept on buying me drinks. I don't actually remember any part of the night where I didn't have a drink. Vodka, something. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I started with like. Oh my god! I forgot about babes right out though. Yeah, I got real drunk there too. Yeah. Anyway, kids, be in a safe space (laughs) when you get this drunk. If you're gonna get turned, (laughs) be somewhere that is with people that you're okay with. Yeah, that's the only way in which I will get very turned, as Christopher will say, <laughs> is if I know I can make it home. <laughs> Whether by mine own hands or somebody else is carrying my ass. Um, so, where was I? So, you got high amounts of toxin. So, <laughs> stop it. He's just laughing his ass off. I'm just thinking about the girl in the porta potty asking if you're home. <laughs> 
out. This is a story for another time. They don't need to hear all my drunk stories. I don't have that many, guys. You have two. You I have literally two. have two. I have two, but they're pretty good, both yeah. of them. Okay, story one. Babes right out. If you don't know what that is, Google. I'm not going to tell you about it. This podcast is already really freaking long. We're running on an hour and a half here. Yeah, we are. Babes right out. Lots of girls, motorcycles, in the desert, blah, blah, blah. You get drunk, okay? I had a camping mug that somehow a girl had a Costco-sized bottle of, what is it? Fireball. 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 Yup. She filled up that glass, and I cannot remember a single point in the night where my glass was not full, except for the last time where I told her, no more, thank you. And then I called Christopher on my way to find the porta-potties, which were not even maybe maybe 50 yards away from where I was sitting and I think it took me 30 minutes to get there and I had him on the phone the entire time he was playing Mario Kart with a bunch of boys that were over at his house we were actually playing Goldeneye and it was just me and Joey oh okay just kidding it was just him and Joey but you were on speakerphone but I was on speakerphone, and I just remember laughing a lot, not being able to find the porta potty, falling over quite a few times, finally getting to the porta potty, vomiting in the porta potty several times. Somebody finally came over to the porta potty, very sweetly said, "Are you okay in there?" And I opened the door, and she said, "Oh, honey, let's get you out of there. That's probably why you're throwing up at this point." So then she helped me out of the porta potty. She stayed with me for a second, and I was like, "Yeah, you're totally right. That porta potty is half my problem right now." I want you to know I was on the phone the entire time. I didn't know that till this very moment. <laughs> Until you got into the car to fall asleep. <laughs> so that's story number one. Story number two was that it was my birthday. People took me out, and they proceeded to put alcohol in front of me for the entirety of the night. Most of the time it was vodka with a little bit of lime and tonic, and I probably had something like 10 to 12. And I can finish that story by saying that she w- she got home, tried not to wake me up, even though she was loud as a moose, <laughs> and tried to go to the bathroom, could not get her, what are they called, onesies? No, what is it called? So close. A romper. A romper. Could not get her romper off to go to the bathroom. Started crying in the hall, which then made me go there, help her out, go to the bathroom. We both got back to bed, and then she slept until noon. When he got me out of bed to go on a walk. Okay. Those are the ends of my stories. Y'all have my drunk stories now. You know about my poop and my drunk stories. Okay. So, my hangovers. That's what we were getting to. What is a hangover? Why do you feel like shit? Uh, let me bring in my, I'm going to call her Janet because of the good place. <laughs> Janet? Hey, Janet? Hey, Janet? How do you say that word? I can't remember. Acetaldehyde. Acetaldehyde. So, acetaldehyde, that little bugger, is wreaking havoc everywhere for one. But for two, acetaldehyde will actually create a headache. So, day two, you're hungover. I didn't know this. Acetaldehyde, that little fucker. He is what is creating and generating your headache. That's what did it. Nice. Problem number one. Problem number two. You didn't fucking sleep. That's why you slept until 5 p.m. Because you got no sleep until all that shit was out of your body. And a reminder, we're waking up at 7 o'clock tomorrow. 
it's not even that late right now. It's 10 o'clock. Okay. You didn't sleep. We just talked about sleep. Sleep's really important, okay? You need sleep. Your metabolism is messed up. Your, your hormones are messed up. Your body temperature is messed up. Everything is messed up when you don't sleep. It's even worse when you don't get a specific type of sleep. You just messed up. Okay, now you have free radical damage. Another thing is that you have a non-rested gut and liver. Your liver and your gut has been working their ass off all night trying to get this toxin out of your body and also potentially digest whatever food you ate if you chose to eat while you were drinking. Which and, I did before. And guess what? I did too. I had a burrito. Burrito! Dinner of champions. I'm sorry, guys. I can't eat healthy when I have to make a podcast for you. Jeez. Anyways. <laughs> Burritos are definitely healthy. <laughs> So at night, believe it or not, just like your brain needs rest and your muscles need rest and they need to recover, your gut needs to rest, okay? It just needs to. It needs to rest. It needs to not be working anymore. It needs to have that growth hormone come and help it repair itself. It has to rest too. And so now you're going to feel like poop all the next day no matter what you eat. Like I just think your gut is going to be messed up at that point. And that might also be part of your beer poop. Your beer shits, whatever they're called. Yes. Okay, and then also on top of your sleep being messed up and all this other stuff being messed up, your circadian rhythm is messed up. So think about how you feel when you're jet lagged. That's because your circadian rhythm is messed up. And now you've basically created your own jet lag. Because even if you tried to sleep, you probably didn't go to bed till 3 a.m. And then when you went to bed at 3 a.m., you basically jet lagged yourself. And then you didn't sleep, real sleep, because you were sedated. So now your body is totally jet lagged. Everything is out of sync. All of your clocks are messed up. Stuff is being produced when it doesn't need to. Other stuff isn't being produced when it needs to. It's going to take a while to recover, guys. Yes. The sad story of the hangover. Uh, As told by Ariel. I honestly don't. I mean, like I said, I've only seen you once with a hangover. I can only recall myself one time with a hangover and that was after that first drake's christmas party i remember walking out yeah i remember walking yeah joey at our house when we were packing to move here i was not hung oh i was kind of hung over oh shit because you know who else came to help adam fuck yeah that was bad uh, but I do recall uh, after the Drake's Christmas party, um, trying to go to the store, and the best description that I had for what was happening to me outside was everything was loud. Not just sound and light, but also colors, and just just everything was loud. And that was the worst hangover that I've ever had. Because at least after the night that we were packing to move here, I was able to wake up and fucking move here. (laughs) Um, The day after that Drake's Christmas party, I did not want to do anything. I don't remember. What are you talking about? We tried to go to the store. No, I tried to go to the store. You were probably still in bed, honestly. Oh, is this the next day? Yeah, this was the next day. Oh, okay. Yeah, I tried to go to the store, and I walked outside, and everything was, like, screaming at me. 
Yeah. I had I you didn't make that distinction. No, you you did nothing. It was me. Got it. Okay. So that's all the alcohol facts I have for you, but we can't forget our FSF. And today our topic is your first poop of life. That first poop that you had right after you were born. So, real quick, hey Janet, how do you say that word that I'm not sure about? Meconium. Oh, Meconium. Meconium. I was going to totally screw it up. Meconium. This is our topic today. So, if you are a parent, you've probably already heard this. If you're an aunt, you might have heard it. If you're an uncle, you probably said, hell no, I'm not going to change that diaper. Um, Those are gender stereotypes. They sure are. And they (laughs) exist for a reason. Uncles, change the diaper. And I say that as an aunt who won't change a diaper because I am not a gender stereotype. I do not like changing the diapers. I do not like dealing with the throw up. Those babies go back to the mama. Yeah, you really don't like the throw up. I don't even like throw up. I don't even like dealing with my own bodily fluids. Okay, trying to tell me to deal with somebody else's is a lot. (laughs) Okay, so baby's first poop, meconium. It is really dark in color. It's almost like a blackish greenish color. It's really sticky and thick. It's almost like a tar, and it doesn't stink. Does they tell you why it doesn't stink? No. Okay. Well, I was just checking. I don't know why they would tell me why it doesn't stink. I don't know. I feel like everybody should know why things don't stink. No, I just knew what it was and what it looks like because two kids. <laughs> okay. So the reason why this is a punch-it fact for today is because why doesn't it stink? It's a poop. So that's kind of a bizarre thought to have a boot that comes out that has zero odor. Mm-hmm. So the reason why it doesn't stink is he's having another moment with his fun love it is because baby doesn't have a microbiome yet. Oh, okay. There are two main things that give a baby its microbiome. Number one, when that baby comes out the vagina. It gets its first douse of microbiome from the vaginal canal, from the bacteria that's in your mama's vagina. That came out weird. <laughs> I was going to say two different words and they came out different. It just came out vagina. <laughs> so that's the first thing that gives you your microbiome. And actually, if you have a cesarean section, a C-section as we like to call it, um, doctors nowadays might do a vaginal swab and then give that to the baby now to actually help with their microbiome production because if you don't do that, then they are completely sterile until they get number two. Quick question. What? How does one give that to the baby? I would have to double check, but if I had to guess, I actually think they do a vaginal swab and then put it around their mouth. Put the swab in the mouth? I don't think they put it directly in the mouth. They might, but I think they put it at least around the mouth. I mean, I'm not grossed out by this. I'm just wondering why. Neither of these also gross me out, but right. I just, I feel like for whatever reason, doctors nowadays would see that as like not a thing that you would do, mm. but it wouldn't hurt the baby in any way to do that because 
their mouth is open when they're coming out anyways, guys. Right. Well, and they have a they have a suck reflex. So, anyway. Okay. Yeah. I would have I would have to look up vaginal swabs for babies. Good luck having that on your <laughs> Google search history. I have a lot of really unsavory things on my Google history because of <laughs> things like that. Anyways, they'll they might do a vaginal swab if you have a cesarean section. That's up, guys. But all this is just to say that it's important. Your baby actually needs that microbiome. It is very important for them. Your microbiome it has a lot of benefits for your body, and I could get into that later. Number two is breast milk. Mama's breast milk is going to provide the rest of the microbiome for the baby. And the reason why this is so important is because your microbiome, by and large, doesn't change that much throughout your life. The only way that it really does change is if you have a really strong, in quotations, bad bacteria in your gut and it starts to overtake all of your good bacteria you then might have to do something like take antibiotics to kill this off and then you have somewhat like a sterile gut where you just don't have any. And so then you would need to repopulate your gut with a new microbiome and that could be probiotics, though those aren't necessarily always effective like we kind of talked about in the last one. The other thing that you can do is a fecal transplant. So essentially what you're saying is the reason why it doesn't stink is because there's no bacteria in it yet. Correct. Okay. Babies don't have any bacteria in the microbiome yet. And so, there's nothing to make that poop stinky. Interesting. And, uh, Janet, one more time for the people at home. Meconium. Meconium. The word of the day. <laughs> Alright, guys. That's all I have for you if you made it all the way to where we currently are, which will probably not actually be accurate, I salute you. I commend you. I think you're a brave person because we're I don't know, a, I don't an know hour if, and 40 minutes into it. Yeah, I don't know if I would have lasted as long listening to myself. By the way, sadly, neither of us are yet turned, nor will we be tonight. Yeah, I my head is slightly warm. That's about all I got tonight. Yeah, the whiskey is helping with that. However, um, again, most highly overestimate my liver's ability to metabolize toxins. Underestimate, underestimate. Well, that just shows that. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna count how many things you had, but I think the people can. If you're, if you made it this far, I hope you did tally marks of how many flubs. Yeah. Nobody can see you. But I made the sound effect. Flubs. Okay. All right. Goodbye, people. Goodbye. And thanks for listening to episode two of What the Shit Podcast, wherein we chatted about alcohol. Oh, the booze in the body. That's the name of this episode. Hey, everybody. This is post-production Ariel coming in to let you know that there were some whoopsies in the episode and I don't have enough patience or enough skill to go through and edit my episode like a pro. So I'm going to introduce a new segment called Poe Buddies Nerfect. And it's going to be my corrections if I find some mishaps in the episodes while I'm editing them once I'm done. Uh, they're always going to be posted in the information at the bottom of the episode. But really quick, I'll just go over them right here, right now. 
at 29.30. I just wanted to make a correction about aldosterone. I said that it was made in the brain. That is incorrect. Aldosterone is a hormone that participates in the fluid retention system, but is actually made and released in the adrenal gland. Those are the two little triangle lumps that sit on top of your kidneys. It then circulates the blood, and then your kidneys bind onto this heart onto the hormone, but it also is in combination with two other hormones that actually signal the retention of fluid. The actual hormone that is suppressed by alcohol and is produced in your brain is called vasopressin or ADH. And this is what makes you have to urinate constantly, the suppression of vasopressin. If you want a full mechanism outlined for how actual fluid retention happens, I have that completely outlined in the bottom of the bio. Another one, at 45 minutes, 24 seconds, I mentioned that that study on sleep with the rodents was conducted in maybe 1916 to 1970. It was actually published in 1989. At 45 minutes, 52 seconds, Christopher flushes a toilet. Sorry, guys. At 46 minutes, 18 seconds, the audio clip suddenly swaps and it sounds weird. I kind of sound like I'm in a tube. Unfortunately, one of my microphones stopped working, so I had to go with the other audio clip. Hopefully, I don't have hiccups like this in the future, and I don't have to keep on clipping the audio, and I'll just be all seamless like all you fancy people out there. Last one. At 56 minutes on the dot, I say that it was approximately 20% recall. This is compared to the original recall test that was done the same day of learning by the group of that drinks alcohol on day one. The actual amount of information that was lost as reported by that study, which is in my references as a citation, was actually 15%, 50%, 5-0. And what this means is that based off of day one recall, where day one recall is considered 100%, after they drank alcohol on night one, and they were retested seven days later, they were only able to recall 50% as much information as they had originally recalled. For those that drank on night three, instead of day one, their recall was only 40% of what their original was. So they were still approximately the same. 40 to 50% difference is not significant in a study. But I just wanted to get you the correct numbers. Again, all of this info is at the bottom. If you have any questions, feel free to shoot me an email at w-h-a-t-t-h-e- S-H-T-T. That's what the shit at gmail.com with two T's and no I. All right. Thanks, guys.